Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty live in the Morton studio. Today on the show we're going to talk a little about late soybean weed control. But as always, we would be happy to talk about anything that's going on in your farm. If you've got any questions for us or anything you'd like to talk about, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, or Brian Hefty. So again, today we'll talk a little about late soybean weed control, and... I guess let me start by saying this. This year, there are millions of acres of Enlist herbicide or Enlist soybeans that are out there. And so there is a lot of Enlist 1 herbicide that is being used. Well, if you've ever done a burn down and you've put glyphosate together with 2,4-D, you know that sometimes there can be mixing issues between glyphosate and 2,4-D. It's no different than this new 2,4-D and list one together with any glyphosate. And <laughs> of course, Corteva is going to tell you, you have to use Durango. Well, you don't. You can use name brand Roundup. There are generics you can use. I mean, you got to make sure the thing is labeled for Enlist soybeans, but there are a lot of different glyphosates that could be used. We are seeing mixing issues with all of them, unfortunately. So I want to help you out with that a little bit. If you're going to be spraying Enlist 1 in soybeans, this is what you need to know. First of all, the main thing is to understand, yes, there can be problems. So what we encourage you to do is get a fair amount of water into your spray tank first. The more water there is, usually the better. If you're going to use ammonium sulfate, and we do like ammonium sulfate with Roundup because ammonium sulfate's cheap, it's the best product that there is to help the performance of Roundup, and I realize there are AMS replacement products, but they're just not as good. So if you are using ammonium sulfate, that has to go in the tank first. Then you want to let it agitate for a little while. Now, one of the things that we are using, or what, what we are doing right now, and I literally just talked to an agronomist about this a few minutes before I got on the show today. We've been running some trials here. And so Rob Fritz, who's occasionally on the show with us, Lee Fisher's on every once in a while, ag agronomist uh, right here that we, we do a tremendous amount of work with. Um, they, they've been running experiments the last few days with some of their customers. And here's basically what we found. Normally, when we talk glyphosate, we say 17 pounds of ammonium sulfate per 100. And I don't care where you are, what your water is, anything else. We run 17 pounds. That's our standard recommendation as agronomists. It always has been. And anyway, that we go 17 pounds, except for this case. What we're finding is if you cut that AMS rate back to 8.5 pounds, you're in better shape. Here's what's going on. With glyphosate, we don't want lots of water. Okay, when you're running Liberty, for example, 20 gallons of water is a great idea. You will have better performance using 20 gallons of water. Same thing if you spray a fungicide. You will have better performance out of the fungicide if you spray 20 gallons of water. That's a fact. But with glyphosate, that is not true. In fact, your performance will most likely get worse. It's just the way it's always been with Roundup. Um, I'll give you a little backstory on that. Our dad did some work with Monsanto before Roundup ever even got labeled. This is, I don't remember, I don't know the year or anything. I think it was back in the early 1970s. You're talking almost 50 years ago. And he just talked about how they had him going as high as, 
I think the number was 45 gallons of water per acre. <laughs> and he said, you know, we started at low volume, low water volumes, but, you know, they wanted to test everything. And he just said, the higher the water, the worse the performance. So with Roundup, it likes low water. So where I'm going with this is the 17 pounds per hundred it isn't the problem in itself. It's just the fact that you don't have lots of water that you're spraying per acre then. And so... Anyway, where, what I would encourage you to do is cut your ammonium sulfate from 17 back to 8.5 pounds just when you're mixing in the Enlist 1 and any glyphosate. Okay, so cut that back to 8.5 pounds per 100 gallons of water. That's still on label for all glyphosates, by the way. Then, because you've done that, we do want some more hard water correction we're worth then throwing in, and it's very, very, very inexpensive, but we're throwing in a product called WaterRite, but we want just a little bit more hard water correction and pH correction, and the WaterRite does that. It does it even cheaper than that 8.5 pounds um, that we took out. So basically, the net result of this is it's cheaper, but also you're going to have less plugging issues, less, um, let's see, I'm trying to think of what the, the words the agronomist have used. Uh, but it, it's basically been a slurry in the end that's kind of thick, and there have been problems plugging screens. There was one guy yesterday I know that got 70 acres sprayed of glyphosate together with ammonium sulfate and Enlist 1. He got 70 acres sprayed, and his sprayer was completely plugged up. You don't want that. So this is what we would now encourage you to do. And also, farmers have been asking, well, why didn't you know this already? Why didn't you tell me before I had a problem? <laughs> Because this is all relatively new. We weren't even allowed, even so on our farm, we started with Enlist seed production, I'm going to say four years ago. It was four or five years ago. They wouldn't let us use Enlist on the Enlist soybeans, I mean, all through that time period. I mean, last year was the first year that we could use any of this Enlist 1. And it was only on, I mean, it was on a small amount of acres in the United States. So we just didn't have as many trials out there and we didn't talk to as many people and put it in as many situations as we're able to now this year. So again, what I would encourage you to do with anything you're having mixing issues with, you, we really want to take a look at that and see what can we figure out to make it better. In a lot of cases, you can throw a compatibility agent with it. So convert for example, we do we use a lot of that product, but there are many other compatibility agents, and that works great in a lot of situations. For whatever reason, we can't find any compatibility agent that helps mix the 2,4-D and the glyphosate well together. So what we're forced to do then is get your ammonium sulfate in and your water conditioner. Get the tank mostly full, get your 2,4-D in. The Enlist One. Make sure that if you're using a cone inductor, you've got it rinsed out with water before you then put the Roundup in. If you put Roundup together, Roundup Pure or any glyphosate pure with Enlist One Pure, you're going to have a problem. It's going to be a major issue. So as long as you get it diluted down, get it in the tank, start it mixing around, then you should be good. Well, stay tuned. We'll talk more about late soybean spraying right after this. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. 
When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough-to-control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup ready-to-extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Oh, my goodness. Did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rows? Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean, weed-free his entire field looked. I'm, like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo. And it's burned down and long-lasting residual powers making his soybeans like literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here live in the Morton studio. If you've got a question for us, our number is 844-44-AG-PHD or send me an email, radio at agphd.com. We're talking today about late soybean weed control. And first on the show, we've got Lowell Sandell. He is with Valent. Lowell, how are you doing today? Uh, doing great. How are you? Excellent. All right. So late season spring, a lot of beans are already flowering now. And one of the Valent products that we talk often to farmers about is Cobra, but I get a little concerned once we start getting real late. How late can I go? How late do you feel comfortable spraying Cobra to get weed control? And I mean, without damaging the beans. Well, yeah, we we get that question a a lot. And when we get to this time of the year, you know, the the need of the situation will often dictate that. Um, My answer is always get it on as, as soon as possible. And as long as we have uh, time in the growing season for that soybean plant to put on at, at a minimum, you know, uh, three to four uh, more nodes that have a trifoliate on them. <clears throat> that is ample time for the plant to recover uh, from that application and still really not be not have yield uh, impacted because they'll put on new leaves and the, the plant will kind of continue on, on its way. Yeah, the one thing I, I can just say as an agronomist, and I've seen this for so many years, we get so many calls in July about, hey, I got a lot of weeds out in my beans. When I go look at them and I see solid weeds out there, I'm like, oh my goodness, we should have done something way earlier, number one. And number two, if you yeah. do nothing, you're really suffering. So even if there's something that we use that dings up the beans just a little bit. The yield consequences there are way, way less than leaving all those weeds out there. Um, okay, so resource is another one. And resource, you can actually get really big velvet leaf under control. Uh, and it helps out on a number of other weeds as well. But how late are you comfortable spraying resource out there? 
Well, it's kind of the the same boat as as uh, Cobra, and if folks are even considering a resource plus Cobra tank mix together, um, again, as, as soon as, as making the application as soon as they can to just allow the beans to recover, uh, that's that's ideal. But just, just like you said, it's. Um, we do run into those situations out there uh, where growers are, are may need to make an application uh, in in the early July time frame. And as long as it happens, uh, you know, shortly after the Fourth of July, there's usually plenty of time for the for the beans to to recover and uh, get those weeds knocked down. And hopefully, prevent some uh, weed seed uh, uh, dispersal. The other product I was going to mention uh, that, that is yours is Select Max, and there obviously are a lot of grass weeds that come late, volunteer corn that comes late, and the nice thing with Select Max, that is pretty easy on the crop, really. The only limitation that I know of is just your 60-day pre-harvest interval. Is there anything else we should be aware of? Nope, uh, you nailed it uh, on the head. Uh, 60 days uh, be- before harvest and uh, it pretty much um, any application uh, before that is very safe to the crop and effective for, for grass control. Hey, one thing that I would say since we're talking Select Max, crop oil concentrate really improves the control is what I've always found. Is that kind of your standard recommendation for an adjuvant with Select Max? I, I would I would very much uh, uh, agree with you, um, especially as the grass gets a, uh, a little more size to it. Yep. If we're spraying in the end of June or uh, into the early part of July, uh, I think you can really see a, a bump in control by using a, a crop oil. Yep, definitely. All right, we've been talking to Lowell Sandell with Valent. Lowell, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. All right, next on the show, we've got Dwight Lingenfelter. He is with Penn State University. Dwight, how are you today? Doing well, Brian. Thanks. Great. Yeah, thanks a lot for joining us. Appreciate it. So I assume you're getting calls from farmers who have soybeans, and they got weeds out there. What are we going to do as we start getting into July? It's getting pretty late. We have to worry about crop injury. Let's say the guy has conventional beans. What, what are you usually talking to farmers about in your state? Yeah, so that's a good good point. So so uh, you know, it, it seems like we're getting more and more questions about you know conventional beans. Um, so we're kind of limited to you know some of the products, the, the the ALS you know group two products or the PPO products, uh, you know the group fourteen products, things like a Reflex and, and Cobra and, and Blazer Ultra Blazer and things of that nature. Um, so so you know th- those are some options, but it's, and unfortunately, um, you know especially with the ALS herbicides. And things like classic and synchrony and, and pursuit, for example, you know the resistance is, is is an issue as well. So that that can get a little bit challenging, especially if there are some escaped weeds uh, to this time of year. So you know we really try to push push uh, you know farmers to to really you know consider the residual programs up front. Um, I realize it's late for that, but, but <laughs> yep. you know, that's some, hopefully lessons learned though in the future. So, what are the top two or three weeds in soybeans in your state that guys would still still see today? Uh, I, I think probably similar to other parts of the you know Midwest and even the South. You know, we were still dealing with a lot of a lot of mare's tail, both ALS and glyphosate resistant. Um, we're getting more and more issues with Palmer and and, and water hemp, and then we have a few kind of I guess weeds that may be more 
more you know traditional for our area things like pokeweed uh burr cucumber are ones that we we seem, seem to get more and more of here in our in our, our part of the our part of the uh the the, the, the uh, country mayor's tail what what are you finding that will do the best there and i realize there's no good answer here darren likes first rate flex star i like classic flex star in both cases it's a combination of the two chemical families you talked about als plus ppo but i mean what do you like what would you recommend to a guy right now yeah at least from our 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 studies on on mayor's tail that, that are in the beans right now um, you know, some of the PPO products really haven't haven't uh, performed as well for us. Nope, they haven't. Um, you know, think yeah, at least in, in our area. Um, yep. So so, you know, if if you're, I assume you're still talking conventional system. So, yep. So um, it, it it's going to be challenging. You know, with with you know, and traditionally we've recommended a lot of first rate, but unfortunately, you know, more more and more of our populations are ALS resistant. Yeah. So so we we hope. Um, you know, get a little bit of stunting out of it, out of that, or if you're in, a, say, a Roundup-ready system, um, you can maybe use a, a little bit like a 2x rate of uh, glyphosate to, again, stunt it in hopes of, of getting getting the, the crop canopy to, uh, to to shade it out. Because right. that's, that's one thing that we found that, that you know, with mare's tail, that it doesn't tend to do as well once the crop shades it out. I agree. All right, let's open this up a little bit for you. So I, I won't even bring up the dicamba thing. So let's set that to the side today. <laughs> but let's talk about Enlist just a little bit because that's new and we get lots of questions. Um, what? Just tell us a little bit about Liberty, Enlist One, and any maybe tank mix things that you've done. How do you feel about that overall system? And what what are more guys leaning toward? Liberty, Enlist One, a combination of the two. What, what are guys doing? And what's kind of your recommendation for Enlist? soybeans yeah so i still think you know the 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 tank mix is going to be necessary the the uh, enlist one uh, uh liberty tank mix would, would would do well especially on something like mare's tail that we're talking about yep. um even even for something like palmer um you know if, if people wanted to go the enlist duo that that that's fine but in, in, in most cases because of glyphosate there's already resistance out there you're only dealing with the one one uh you know, active ingredient that would have activity. So, right. so yeah, we've actually had pretty good experiences um, with with the combination of of the uh, Enlist One and and Liberty. So, um, and 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 what what's interesting about it too is we haven't we we, we assumed we were going to see a lot more uh, challenges with with the larger droplet size. Um, you know, that's recommended for 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 the, the, the growth regular yep. herbicide yep. compared to, to Liberty, but it, it, so far, we've we've actually haven't been been we've actually we've been very pleased with the combination, and, and uh, as long as we have at least 15 gallons per acre. Uh, it's worked out very well for us. Yeah, well, probably you've had good luck with it because you got two fantastic herbicides. In list one, we don't have lots of resistant weeds. Liberty, we have none. So, yeah, I, I, that that combination, Darren and I just kind of joke about it. It's like liquid fire. I mean, it it sets everything off. I mean, it is it's it's awesome. I just don't like the price of the combination, but pretty yeah. good way to go. Uh, again, we've been talking to Dwight Lingenfelter with Penn State University. Dwight, we get a run, but thanks a lot for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. You bet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. 
Vellum is Rotam North America's Mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the Enzone Fan Control System from FarmShop MFG. Hot spots and moisture in your bin can cost you thousands in lost revenue. The Enzone monitors outside conditions to run your fans exactly when you want them to, naturally bringing your grain to ideal temperature and humidity. Master bin management with the Enzone. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com. Sound the foghorn because there's a better way to control frog eye leaf spot in your soybean fields. Froghorn fungicide from UPL. Froghorn not only has a unique name, it has two modes of action that deliver excellent disease control. With Froghorn, you get healthier soybeans and better yields at harvest time, and you won't be subject to strobe resistance. So get Froghorn and keep frog eye leaf spot quiet all season long. To learn more, talk to your retailer or UPL sales representative. Always read and follow label directions. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact-Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact-Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2Save3 is a service mark and Impact-Z is a trademark owned by AMVAC Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact-Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy, all the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. We're talking about late season weed control in soybeans. Now, it may not be real late season for you. You may have just gotten beans in the ground. But to me, once we start getting to July, which is next week, I kind of look at that as late season. we got to be concerned about drift and a number of other things, and certainly some big weeds. So next on the show, we've got Christy Sprague. She is with Michigan State University. Christy, how are you today? Do we have Christy there? Hang on one second. All right, Christy, now uh, I think I got you. How's it going today? It's going good. (laughs) Good. Uh, Okay, so weed control in the state of Michigan, what are you most concerned about? What are maybe the top two or three weeds that you've got there that you're worried about now as we start moving into July in soybeans? 
So probably our biggest concerns are mare's tail and also water hump. So a lot of those ones that can continue to come up in this season. Yep. So pretty much the same thing as most farmers are dealing with across much of the United States. And whether it's water hemp or palmer pigweed, control is really the same. Uh, what percent yep. do you think went to enlist soybeans this year in your state? Was it a high percent or low percent? I would say we're pretty high. And a lot of it has to do with we have some smaller fields and some more sensitive crops. So people are trying to um, you know, get some other options out there uh, post-emergence. Yeah, for sure. So with Enlist 1, we haven't talked about this yet, but it's actually labeled all the way up to R2 or full flower in soybeans. How comfortable are you spraying Enlist 1 when we get to mid-July? It's R2. The temperature's 90 degrees. I mean, it's unlike dicamba. We're not seeing the issues like we have with dicamba, but how do you feel about spraying Enlist 1 then? Are you comfortable? Um, we've actually had some pretty good results in some of the kind of uh, tests that we've done. Um, I think the one thing you need to be aware of is what your surroundings are. If you do have something that's pretty sensitive to 2,4-D, I'd still be a little bit on the cautious side. Yeah, I've joked with farmers here for the last few years. In the last five years, my brother Darren and I, each year in the last five years, have been the largest cotton farmers in the state of South Dakota. Now, <laughs> we haven't even had an acre of cotton, but we had cotton for five years in a row because we wanted to see if this enlist one would move and if it would cause a problem. And cotton's the most sensitive plant that we know of in the world to 2,4-D, and we saw zero issues. So I, I have a lot of confidence, but I just wanted to see if you, if you had any issues last year because I assume there were some enlist there was some enlist sprayed last year in your state correct yes um and again we've we've really had no complaints it's just one of those things where you know you still <laughs> want to be on the cautious side <laughs> right right for sure uh okay so mare's tail and water hemp beyond using enlist one what else are you talking to farmers about maybe in other traded crops or you know anything else that, that the farmer can do at this time of year for weed control yeah, so when we start looking at um, definitely with the endless soybeans, you also have the option of using uh, glufosinate or Liberty. Yep. Um, we have a little bit narrower window. We've got up till R1, so yep. we've got to look at those soybean stages. So that's kind of one of the you know benefits of that endless trait because you do have those two options. Um, the other thing to think about is you know there's a lot of either Liberty Link or Liberty Link GT27s out there, so that that glufosinate would work. Um, you know, we still have a good large number of acres in Michigan that are uh, non-GMO soybeans. So um, from that standpoint, for water hemp control, a lot of guys are relying on things like Flexstar or Cobra. Right. And we don't have quite as much um, resistance to those herbicides as maybe what some of the states to the south of us have. So those are kind of a couple of things. And one of the things I would uh, also caution growers on is, especially some of those later season applications, uh, keep in mind the rotation restrictions because we do have some rotation restrictions if we're using something like Flexstar to something like wheat um, and also uh corn the following year, depending on how late those applications go out. Yeah, absolutely. With Flexstar, we haven't talked about it yet, but 10 months to corn. So I usually tell guys, hey, we better be shutting her off in late June. 
But you know how it is. We get into early to mid-July, guys still see weed issues there and they want to spray something. So that's where usually we try to get them from Flexstar over to Cobra. But how confident yep. are you in Cobra killing water hemp? I mean, if it's two inches tall, probably pretty good. But most of the time it's six or eight or ten inches tall. How much of that water hemp are we actually going to kill with Cobra at that late stage? Yeah, at that late stage, a lot of times you may just be burning off the top. So it's kind <laughs> right. of one of those revenge-type kills. <laughs> yep, but if you can stop it from going to seed, that's one of the big things I tell people. Even if you don't completely kill it, just stop it from going to seed because one water hemp plant can put on up to a million seeds. So, you know, you're going to be fighting that thing for a long time if it does go to seed. Well, again, we've been talking to Christy Sprague with Michigan State University. Christy, thanks a lot for the time today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. You bet. All right, let's go down to the state of North Carolina. We got Wesley Averman with us. He is with North Carolina State University. Wesley, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Excellent. All right, so in North Carolina, in soybeans right now, what are the maybe top two or three herbicides you're getting questions about outside of dicamba? Let's forget about dicamba. <laughs> I don't even want to bring that up. That's a sore subject with a lot of people. But everything else, what, what are the top products you're getting questions about? Uh, we've been getting a lot of questions about using Liberty, uh, you know, especially on some of our non, uh, I'll say the word dicamba, the, our non-dicamba yep. uh, beans, yep. and then really our PPO inhibitors, how we're, we're utilizing those and fitting them in, um, you know, cleaning up our our issues with the palmer amaranth yeah yep for sure uh let me ask you this with liberty because i get this from a lot of farmers down south they go man it is so hot down here we don't want to use the full three pounds per acre of ammonium sulfate with liberty and i often tell them look um, liberty needs some ammonium sulfate to work well so what what do you kind of recommend to guys when it's getting 95 degrees every day do you still go three pounds of ammonium sulfate do you back that down do you use something else what, what do you do for an adjuvant there you know, what's been interesting for me, um, I'm going to give you a longer-winded response <laughs> for a short answer. Um, you know, I grew up in the Midwest, and coming down here, I, you know, AMS had to be in, in the tank always. And yep. we got out, and we were doing our research, and we'd be talking with farmers, and, you know, AMS, AMS. And I got a lot of pushback that they didn't want to use it, they didn't need to use it. So we did yep. some research with it. And, you know, surprisingly, when it gets hotter, now we're very humid here in North Carolina, so yeah. I'm not going to say this fits everywhere, but we can back off of that AMS rate some. Yeah. Now, I'll still recommend putting it in because I like to see a dead weed <laughs> yep. uh, every time we yep. spray. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let them make their call, but I'll always recommend putting in that three pounds because we do see more consistent control. Uh, and, you know, I don't like pushing the size limits on weeds, but uh, we know the realities, especially for us this spring. <laughs> it's been so wet in a lot of right. the state. There's guys going out on weeds that are a little too big and having that AMS in there. Now, it's not going to guarantee pulling down a bigger palmer than recommended, but it gives you a better chance. You know, and, and if we only have one option, 
to kill that pigweed, you want to put your best foot forward. You mentioned PPOs like Flexstar and Cobra. With Cobra, starting probably 25 years ago, we started putting a little solubor with it in our region of the United States, and we saw less leaf burn. So maybe the plants were just short on boron. I don't know what the deal was, but all I know is we've seen less leaf burn when we throw some boron in there. In North Carolina, I assume you get a lot of crop response out of Flexstar, Cobra, and these PPOs. Is there anything you do to try to reduce the burn? You know, so actually, um, we we don't. I'll have to look into that. You know, that boron. If you know, you know, if that gives us a little bit of relief, that would be great. Um, typically, what I do is say, you know, use your highest rate you feel like you can afford to put out, and then. Um, since we're so close to the beach, I tell them to go to the beach for a week. <laughs> yep, we always would tell people take a vacation for a week or two because, yeah, after spraying a PPO, it looks rough. But it, you know what? It, the, the crop does seem to come out of it, and if you get the weeds killed, that's usually half the battle for high yields. Well, we've been talking to Wesley right. Everman with uh, North Carolina State University. Wesley, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. No problem. Have a good day. Yep, you too. All right, we'll continue talking just a little bit more about late soybean weed control. But also, we're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up here just shortly. If you've got a question for us, you can email us, radio at agphd.com. And you get a little bit of time yet today, too, if you want to call in, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Sound the foghorn. Because there's a better way to control frog eye leaf spot in your soybean fields. Froghorn fungicide from UPL. Froghorn not only has a unique name, it has two modes of action that deliver excellent disease control. With Froghorn, you get healthier soybeans and better yields at harvest time, and you won't be subject to strobe resistance. So, get Froghorn and keep frog eye leaf spot quiet all season long. To learn more, talk to your retailer or UPL sales representative. Always read and follow label directions. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. Your land is a legacy, a challenge from those who tended it before you to build on their foundations. At Corteva AgriScience, we understand what it means to be the stewards of a legacy. We embrace the challenge of building on the foundation of Dow AgroSciences to maintain your trust, to bring new solutions, to help you care for your land. See how we can help build your legacy at rangeandpasture.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. 
all the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic insecticides from Atticus, LLC. Unwanted insects are a nuisance, but they're no match for Serpent from Atticus. Serpent delivers economical, fast-acting, broad-spectrum control to help your corn, soybeans, and wheat crops thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. We're live in the Morton studio and talking a little about late soybean weed control. I guess probably the biggest thing that I want to leave you with today is you've got to get weeds under control for two main reasons. Number one is yield. Number two is your seed bank, your weed seed bank. And I'm sure you know this already, but it's worth talking about all the time. If you can keep weeds from going to seed, you just have so many less weeds to fight in the future, and weed control gets a lot easier. I go back over 25 years ago, we ran an experiment. We were using some Accent herbicide, and we did that on half a field, and it didn't work very well at all. And I just said, you know what? Let's just let it go. (laughs) Let's see what happens. And literally on that half of the field, we had a herbicide complaint five years in a row where basically we went out with whatever normal pre that normally kills 99% of our weeds. And it probably still did, but there were so many weeds out there that it looked terrible and we had to spend more money five years in a row on herbicide. So that taught me a valuable lesson that I really don't want to let weeds go to seed if I can help it. Now, sometimes that's just the way it goes and weeds go to seed. But, you know, at this point, there are still a lot of options that you have for soybeans. So we talked about many of those today. The most common ones are the PPO and ALS herbicides for conventional beans. By PPOs, we're talking about Flexstar, Cobra, Ultra Blazer, Resource, Cadet. And then for the ALS herbicides, it would be Classic, Harmony, Pursuit, First Rate, Raptor. So there are a number of them out there. The problem with the ALS chemical family is there are a lot of ALS-resistant weeds. So if you're after mare's tail, you're after palmer, you're after water hemp, kochia, uh, the ALS herbicides just aren't cutting it because there's so much resistance. That's where almost everybody's turned to the PPOs. And Flexstar is probably the preferred one that's on the most acres. But the biggest issue I've got where we farm is it's a 10-month rotational restriction to corn. Well, I want to plant my corn next year, April 15th. That would mean I'd have to spray my Flexstar by June 15th this year. Well, June 15th was 10 days ago. So we're not spraying any Flexstar anymore. And I would not advise you to spray Flexstar anymore if you want to plant corn in the middle of April. And we do see some carryover issues every single year. What you typically will see is white at the top of the plant, uh, at the top of the corn plant. Uh, and if you have that, if you can see that, you've lost a lot of yield, unfortunately. So we just, we, we, the last thing we want to have happen is you spend money on a herbicide and it costs you next year in lost yield. Now, 
if you're if you say, well, I love flex darn, I really want to do it, and it ends up being into July, you can always plant beans on beans. There's nothing out there saying you have to rotate corn and beans. And I know for a lot of guys in our region of the country, in the Corn Belt, it's like, oh, it's a religion practically that, oh, it's corn, it's going to be beans next year. It's beans, it's going to be corn next year. It does not have to be that way. You can very successfully raise beans on beans. You can very successfully raise corn on corn. So just avoid any issues if you're worried about carryover. It's the same kind of thing with pursuit. If you overdo it on the rate of first rate, classic. I mean, there are a lot of herbicides out there that can cause problems in your corn next year. Okay, so anyway, if you want no residual, that's where usually guys will go to Cobra. That's the second choice. After Flexstar for a PPO, they'll go to Cobra. And I like Cobra. It's just, I don't care which herbicide we're talking about, the weeds need to be two to four inches tall. If they're bigger than that, we're going to have a tough time. And you know how it is. It gets to the middle of July. Those weeds are a foot tall a lot of times. So you're going to burn them back. You're going to prevent them from going to seed, but that you're very, it's very unlikely you're actually going to kill those weeds. But if you stunt them enough and then you get crop canopy, hopefully that works out for you. So I wish I had better answers for you on conventional beans or let's round up beans anymore or conventional beans, you know what I mean, for most weeds. But anyway, that's why we talk so much about use three pre-emerge herbicides. If you use three effective modes of action pre, and you can do that for as little as 10 or 12 bucks an acre, then you don't have so many issues later on to fight. Uh, we talked quite a bit today about Enlist soybeans, the the new trait that's been out there for a couple of years. It's it, it's we believe the direction a lot of farmers are going to end up going in the United States next year because of the whole dicamba thing. We love the combination of Liberty and Enlist One. It just gets kind of spendy. You know, Liberty's probably ten bucks, and Enlist One is close to ten bucks. So you know, you're twenty bucks an acre. So that stinks. A lot of guys are going glyphosate plus enlist, or you could certainly do enlist duo. It's the same thing. It's the same two modes of action. So you can do that, um, and, and that works quite well, and that's what we just did on our farm. We'll probably come back with Liberty here in a couple, three weeks. Um, you can spray Liberty up to R1. You can spray enlist one or glyphosate up to R2. So got some options yet. Just want to make sure we keep those weeds under control. All right, well, it is time now for the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, first question here comes from Hans in Minnesota. He says, what's your take on all the whole fields of enlist soybeans that have cupped and blistered leaves? We've had at least 30 to 40 calls about this uh, issue so far, and Hans is an agronomist in Minnesota. Uh, He says, I've called several different companies, and I seem to get different answers from each one of them. So we're planning on sending some samples in to get tested for chemical. Just curious your thoughts on this. All right, so Hans, I would say this. It's most likely dicamba. Uh, Now, there are many, many things that can cause cupping. It could be drought. It could be salt. It could be other herbicide. I I, I mean, there are a lot of things that can cause this, even just uh, soil compaction. So lots, uh, too much herbicide. I mean, I, I, I could run down a big list, but I I am assuming it's probably dicamba. Now, if all it is is a little bit of cupping then and you haven't shortened the beans, there's so little chemistry out there, it's probably not even going to be detectable. And 
you got to go back to, well, what's the cause of that problem? If the guy was spraying, let's say it was a custom applicator and didn't clean out very well going from dicamba over to Enlist, an ounce in a 1,600-gallon sprayer, an ounce of dicamba in a 1,600-gallon sprayer will cup and blister those leaves. <laughs> Soybeans are that sensitive to dicamba. Now, they're not nearly as sensitive to 2,4-D, by the way, if you got a little 2,4-D on your dicamba beans. But the point here is this. If you haven't shortened the beans, you're not going to hurt the yield, so I wouldn't get too worried about it. Uh, you know, yes, it'd be nice to try to figure out where it's coming from, but next year we probably won't have to because people won't be using dicamba anymore, and the whole thing is done. But the first year, well, a couple of years back when dicamba, there were a lot of drift issues and spray tank cleanout issues. I mean, we had an unbelievable amount of calls and complaints around the country. In almost all cases, yield was the same. And in some cases, yield was actually even better. So I'm personally not too worried about it. I think it's dicamba, though. That's my guess. All right, next question comes from Grant. And he's asking about AC97. He goes, uh, hey, Brian, I thought that AC97 had some MegaGrow in it, but now I understand it doesn't have MegaGrow. Uh, what, what, what's the deal here? Okay, so there's a product called MegaGrow. It's plant growth hormones, uh, basically cytokinin and IBA, which is endobuteric acid. We talked about this a little bit. I think it was yesterday on the show. Uh, in, anyway, MegaGrow is a patented safener for Roundup. A lot of people use that. Really good product. We like it. We've used it for years. Well, anyway, with AC97, that does have some plant growth hormones in there. It's not the same. For simplicity, though, because I, I, I apologize, because sometimes I probably have said, well, it's got plant growth hormones like MegaGrow in, in AC97, and I wasn't very clear because people just don't understand growth hormones. If I say IBA or I say cytokinin to most people, they, they're like, uh, I don't even know what you're talking about. So... I apologize if I have confused things by saying, hey, AC97 has some MegaGrow in it. It doesn't exactly, okay? But there are some plant growth hormones in there, and you're going to find in a lot of foliar fertilizers anymore, especially a lot of the new ones coming out, there are going to be plant growth hormones in there. And part of that is it's just like when you're trying, let's say you go out at, and eat a big steak, okay? If you don't have things like let's let's just say uh things to digest that in your body and hormones to try to turn stuff into protein and use all this uh, uh all that energy you're creating it's just a lump in your gut okay we don't want that with fertilizer in plants so you want some plant growth hormones you want things that can make that more usable inside the plant and that's why there are more growth hormones going together with foliar fertilizers it's a wave of the future well stay tuned we'll be right back Hey, Adam. New drone? Not just any drone. I mounted a laser on it to take out weeds. Look out for that tree. In the power lines! Oh, it's in for the house. There's a simpler way to protect spring wheat from weeds. Perfect Match Herbicide. The broadest spectrum weed and grass control in one product. Learn more at perfectmatchherbicide.com. Always read and follow label directions. The laser. Oh my goodness, did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rows? Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean, weed-free his entire field looked. I'm like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo, and it's burned down and long-lasting residual powers making his soybeans like literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. It, one question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. How much money are you leaving in the bin? Get your grain in ideal condition with the Grain Temp Guard Monitoring System from Farm Shop MFG. And with deep preseason discounts on all Grain Temp Guard units, now is the best time to upgrade. Order today at farmshopmfg.com. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. When it comes to trusted herbicide formulations, you know New Farm, and you certainly know New Farm exclusive Weedmaster. For decades, Weedmaster has been the go-to herbicide for consistent burndown weed control in a huge variety of crops, and in range and pasture management too. Don't let yield-robbing weeds stand in the way of your progress or profits. New Farm and Weedmaster herbicide here to help. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, live in the Morton studio, right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag. If you've got a question for us, you can send it to us at radio at agphd.com. Uh, that's what Landon did, and he is from out in Washington State. He says, hi guys, my father and I farm here in central Washington. Uh, Part of our total crops are 300 acres of silage corn. Now, we heard you guys talk on your radio show about gibberellic acid on silage. We're, more, we're, we're interested in that, and we'd like to learn more about application, timing, formulation results, previous trials, basically any and all aspects that you could share. Landon, I'll just put it to you simply this way. There is a product we've used quite a bit of. That is Rise Up Smart Grass. That's gibberellic acid. Uh, it's a high rate. I, I don't remember the percentage. I'm going to say 40% gibberellic acid. Uh, we really like it. Love it on silage corn. We like it in pastures also. So anything that where we need more tonnage, that's that's basically what it's going to do for you. It is going to lengthen the stem. It is going to make the, the distance between nodes greater in crops they produce their own gibberellic acid when it's warm when it's cold they don't produce a lot so basically by putting gibberellic acid on you're tricking the plant into thinking things are better grow taller when the weather is cold uh, i would say in that 50 to 70 degree kind of range that's where you're going to see 
the advantage to gibberellic acid. So this spring in our silage corn, we probably have a thousand acres of silage corn this year. And I was all set. I, you know, I've been talking to our guys about this literally for a year and we, we are producing a bunch of silage corn this year for a dairy. And I said, all right, we are definitely using Rise Up Smart Grass. Well, here's what happened to us. We planted the corn. It stayed, I'm going to say 35 to 50 degrees until the corn hit V2. And so the corn was really small. And and what it'll tell you on the label, like with Rise Up, is you spray between V2 and V6. And you can use 0.3 to 0.6 ounces per acre. So we were set. We were going to use a half ounce per acre. and Or actually, I was going to use 0.6 ounces. We were going to use the highest labeled rate. I was just looking at my notes that I sent our guys. So that 0.6 ounces is going to cost about 4 bucks, 4 or 5 bucks. So it's, it's nothing. But anyway, I was all set to do that. So it was really cold. Well, then it literally went from, it had been 35 to 50 degrees till we hit V2, and I go, okay, now we're, we're at V2. Once we get to about V3, we're going to spray this stuff. Well, when it went between the time that it was V2 and V7, our daytime highs didn't drop below 90 degrees. <laughs> so all of a sudden, it went to super hot, and I go, I mean, it was 95 to 100 degrees just about every day. And I'm like, I don't think I want to throw more gibberellic acid on. I'm worried that maybe we hurt something because the plant's going to produce a crazy amount of jib. And now I'm going to throw more out there? I don't think so. But we have done this in the past. And I remember one year we did it for our Ag PhD field day on the, the field that was right behind it. And where we did that, the corn was a foot taller. It was a foot taller, side by side. We've done this in pastures. The, the pasture grass, do it in the spring, do it in the fall, and oh my goodness, it is, it's night and day difference. I tell guys all the time, this is an absolute no-brainer. You have to do this, assuming the weather works out for you. It didn't for us this year, so we didn't end up spraying any on our silage corn. We were planning to spray a 1,000 acres of it. Just uh, it, it, it just got super hot, and it was very, very unexpected. All right, uh, next one is from Tom. Yesterday we were talking about oats, and I was concerned because the, the farmer had said he wanted to spray a bunch of nitrogen over the top. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know gallons or anything else. And Tom just sent us a comment, hey, uh, you can throw a, a low rate of a nitrogen source over oats, even with a herbicide, and it is safe. And I agree with that, Tom. I mean, there are some products that you can use where you can throw a quart or a gallon, whatever, but I don't think that was the case for this farmer. I think he he wanted, was wanting to throw 10 gallons or more out in a broadcast, and I just get concerned about that. you got to put a lot of water with that to really safen that. All right, next one is from Caesar from Illinois, and he says, Hi, guys, I burned my beans with DAP. And it was so bad in some cases I had to replant. Can you talk to me about this just a little bit? Um, the, the, the concern we always have with fertilizer is fertilizer is salt. It's not fertilizer contains salt. It's fertilizer is salt. So if you start thinking about it that way and then you go, you know what? Salt hurts crops way worse in a dry spring. And and granted, there were some areas very wet this spring, but there were some areas like ours that were very dry this spring. So we saw more fertilizer injury this spring than we normally would see in a lot of areas because it was drier. Drier, high rates, those are problems. When you start talking DAP 
or potash or any dry product, that's even worse than the liquids because that requires more moisture. It, it pulls moisture away from the seed. It pulls moisture away from the roots. And if you do get some, some moisture, just enough, then you got a bunch of salt sitting there. And now the plant's running into a whole bunch of salt. And that obviously can create a problem. So we talk very often about having a lot of gap between where the seed is and even the initial roots are to bigger rates of fertilizer. If you're going really big rates, we talk about broadcasting. Just it, it basically, in effect, let's call it this, it safens that fertilizer because you have spread it out so much more and the plant can't run into so much in a short period of time. Now, the reverse is, let's say that you're renting ground and you go, man, I don't want to leave a whole bunch of fertilizer in the future. I want to use up what I apply this year. That's where banding really pays. We just have to be really careful about rates and placement. We like strip-till in some cases because we can put the fertilizer down two inches, four inches, sometimes even eight inches below where the seed is, and we can do that in the fall even, get the work done. That's nice. So now I have more gap there. I still can recover that fertilizer pretty well in year one, but at least I have a little bit better crop safety. So yeah, I'm sorry to hear about that. And in the future, if you want our recommendations on what we would do or even how we would apply certain fertilizers, just send us some information and we can get back to you on that. All right, next one is from Walter in North Carolina. He said, hi, guys, we bought plane tickets to come out to this Neil Kinsey thing for next spring. Um, look, Walter, normally I tell guys to plan ahead, uh, book things ahead. I, I'm a huge believer in this, and I've done this for probably since I was a little kid. I'll plan stuff out a year in advance. You think this is crazy, but I, I have a calendar that I'm using all the time, and I am pl seriously planning stuff at least a year in advance. Part of why I do that is because of the seasonal nature of farming. I'm only going to plant once a year here. I mean, I realize some other areas will plant many different months during the year. We plant one month all year. So if I'm thinking about, ooh, we got to do this next, we got to do this different next time we plant, well, that's a whole year away. So I am now planning a year in advance. But anyway, sorry to get off, I'm getting off topic here. Uh, Walter is just asking, before we commit to a seminar fee for Neil Kinsey next spring, might there be an online alternative if circumstances dictate it's not wise for us to fly all the way from North Carolina to attend? Um, Walter, I don't know what uh, Neil's going to do for next spring. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe things will get canceled. I mean, it's so far in advance. So, uh, you know, for me, this this whole time over this whole COVID deal has been really hard because I like to plan stuff out. I mean, we had to cancel our Ag PhD field day this summer. It's very unfortunate. All the things that have happened, and that's just, I, I'm that's a minor thing compared to all the people that have had health issues, loss of life, relatives that have been sick or, or have passed away. I mean, it's just, it's all tragic. Okay. Where I'm going with this is we have to think a little bit differently right now in these unprecedented times where a lot of us like me like to plan way ahead. We just can't do that right now. We can plan a few weeks ahead, but that's about it. So I, I would say too, I applaud the airlines. They've done a good job in terms of allowing changes and all these kind of things. I, I'm, I'm very happy for that. But yeah, I would not be planning anything for next March yet, uh, for sure. So we've got tentatively, yep, Neil Kinsey, or I, I think it's February next year. Uh, I believe that's on our website already. And tentatively, we are planning to have him here and do things as a live event, but we'll see. 
All right, uh, next one. Let's see, this one is from Frank. He says, I'd like to know if it's possible to mix manganese sulfate with a fungicide and insecticide. Instead of spraying manganese sulfate alone, I'd like to add uh, azoxystrobin, that'd be quadris, and propiconazole uh, uh, tilt with uh, bifenthrin. My concern would be the manganese sulfate reducing or eliminating the effect of the fungicide or insecticide. I'd be running one to two pounds of actual manganese sulfate per acre with 12 and a half gallons of water. I don't think I'd be worried, Frank, but I've never done that high an amount of manganese sulfate. Um, my other concern would be mixing issues. I would hope that would all mix, but I've never done that exactly. So try it on a small scale and see. I think you're going to be fine. I'm not worried about the manganese sulfate hurting the performance of the bifenthrin. I don't think I'm worried about it hurting the, the performance of the fungicide either. Uh, but I just, like I say, try it on a small scale. I've never done this, so I can't tell you for sure. All right, before we go, just want to say thanks to our production staff. Really appreciate what you do. Uh, my sister Janelle was running the controls today. Uh, thanks to all our guests we had on here and everybody who wrote in with questions. Really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.